Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to somebody near you and give them a great big smile and tell them the Holy Ghost is in this place today. Amen. Great presence of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Thankful that you're here. Thankful the presence of the Lord is here. Had a great Thanksgiving week. Wonderful Tuesday night. And then your family time. I hope you enjoyed that. It's good to be back in service. December is a month of Christmas. A lot of great activities. And uh, I pray that you'll be a part of all of those. Looking forward to the coming new year and all that God has prepared for us. There's a young man come out of service one morning and somebody called him and said, is he through yet? And the young man looked at him and said, yes, he is. He just doesn't know it yet. So I hope I can finish before you know I need to finish. All right. The book of Psalms chapter 105. Psalms chapter 105. I want to begin reading down at verse number 8. Going to read down through verse number 19. Scripture says, He hath remembered His covenant forever. The Lord hath remembered His covenant forever. The word which He commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant He made with Abraham and His oath unto Isaac. And confirm the same unto Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Saying unto, saying unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. When they were but a few men in number, yea, very few, and strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another and from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophet no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Some translations say his neck was placed in an iron collar. Another translation said that the iron entered into his soul. Verse number 19 said, until, everybody say until, until the time that his word, Joseph's word, until the time Joseph's word came, until that time, the word of the Lord tried him. 
until the time. Let me read that from the Amplified Bible. Until his word to his cruel brothers came true. The word of the Lord tried and tested him. I want you to think about that for a moment. And I would like, if the Lord will help me today, to talk to you about the conflict. The conflict between God's purpose and his process. Say that with me. The conflict between God's purpose and his process. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the word of God. Joseph is one of the truly extraordinary personalities of the Bible. I love to read Joseph's story, and it's not all contained in the book of Genesis. As you have read here in Psalms, there is reference to his life. His story, to me, is remarkable because of the depth of lessons that it teaches us. Genesis said that he was the the He was the son of his father's old age, Jacob, having had Joseph late in life, and he was a favored child, as often a late child is. He evidently doted over him, and he made him a coat of many colors. All of this only served to agitate his brothers. They viewed him as a tattletale, and they viewed him in many lights as a nuisance. Because of his father's love for him, the Bible said his brothers hated him. And then God blessed Joseph with two remarkable dreams. They were more than just fancies of the mind and fantasies of thought. They were of divine origin. They were divinely inspired. Dreams that were the light of prophecy, shining not only upon him and his day, but the very future of God's purpose for his people. He was appointed for an extraordinary calling and given extraordinary gifts of grace, and his life would be marked by this divine assignment, this divine appointment. Joseph was to be the link in the chain of divine providence for his people. His authority, as foretold in the dreams, were greater than any of them could even imagine. His dreams were not only concerning himself, but they concerned the entirety of the world that he lived in. These dreams of destiny stirred within him. And he made the mistake as just a young boy to share those dreams with his brothers. And the Bible said that they hated him, not only because he was 
his father's favored son, but they hated him because of his dreams. None of his family understood him. But this promise of greatness that was given to Joseph only raised the ire of their hatred and bitterness toward him. They slandered him with the label of dreamer. They misunderstood him. Even his own father rebuked him. And yet, after rebuking him, the scripture says that he observed the sayings that Joseph had said. He was accused of wrong motives, and yet that did not stop God's divine purpose from being fulfilled in his life. And yet, in spite of all of that, he was destined for greatness. He was destined for greater things than his dreams were going to come true, not because he had dreamed them, but because God had given him those dreams to dream. They foretold the future of his appointment and his brothers, they may feed the flocks, but he would eventually feed the world and They may rule over their families, but one day Joseph would rule over the most ancient of empires, all because of the word of the Lord that was given to him. But before he was ever going to experience that word's fulfillment, before he would ever come to be prime minister, before he would ever reach that elevated position that his dream spoke of, he would first have to pass through the prison. He would have to go through a great deal of suffering. And this is the conflict between God's purpose in our life and God's process of bringing that purpose to pass. It doesn't always equate in our mind. How could God use this to produce that? How could God allow this for that to be the outcome? And yet that is exactly what God does. He was calling Joseph to higher things and not only him, but his own people were going to be elevated because of the word of the Lord that came to Joseph. And yet There was a great deal of suffering and the conflict that would go on and the contradictions between God's promises to him and the fulfillment of those promises weighed heavy upon him at times. Joseph was to live through a long season of unfulfilled hope and unfulfilled desire Yet in all of his trials, he shows a depth of character that is truly inspiring. And the scripture describes for us, not only in Genesis what happened to him, but the psalmist recorded in little more detail the events that transpired in Joseph's life that When he was taken away from his brethren, he was placed in prison. And the Bible said that his feet were hurt with fetters. 
It was not a cakewalk. It was not an easy thing for Joseph to live through. And not only that, but it goes further to say that the iron entered into his soul. His experiences began to affect his spirit, the inner man. It was so deep, the hurt and the pain and the suffering. He was 18 years of age when he was sold by his brothers into slavery. He would be 30 years of age before he would step before Pharaoh and become the prime minister of Egypt. But if you follow that line of his journey from 18 to 30, it was a very, very painful journey, a very difficult journey. Sold by his brothers into slavery, bought by Potiphar, thrown into prison because of false accusations, raised from the ashes to be the prime minister. And all of that was part of God's plan. And all of that started with his word. Man, the word that God had given to Joseph in the beginning. The hatred of his brothers, I know, had to have tried him. <laughs> I have brothers. Any of you have brothers? You ever experienced animosity from them? Did that ever wear on you? Oh, yeah, I was the punky kid of our family. I was the little squirt that they didn't want hanging around them. James and Charles never tell that part of the story. But uh, I'm the one they didn't want playing ball with them. I know a little bit about what can happen, how brothers can try you. And they tried him, no doubt. I have no doubt in my mind that Joseph was tried by the by the hatred that he felt toward them. These were his brothers. They should have felt differently. He felt wounded by their betrayals and hurt by their hatred. And uh, all of that, I'm certain, had to have had some kind of impact upon his life. And and then you follow him on down the road and, and you find him now being accused falsely by Potiphar's wife of something that he did not do. He is accused of molesting Potiphar's wife and the charges were all fabricated. I'm certain that that must have tried his soul. I know how false charges put, they they try me. I, I don't like people to tell things that are not true about me. That's why people have, uh, well, I better not go there. Amen. That's why you have a thumbs up or thumbs down on Facebook. Yeah, you didn't think I knew anything about that, but I do. Yeah. I believe that his chains had to have tried him. The scripture indicates that. The the fetters hurt his feet. The collar around his neck melted all the way down into his soul. It wasn't just physical, it was... Emotionally and spiritually, he was affected by his surroundings and all that had happened. I, I have no doubt that he being confined in a stifling prison. Some of us can't stand it if we have to be stuck in a room for 30 minutes. And he was stuck away in a dark prison for 12, almost 12 years, a good portion of 12 years. We don't know exactly how long, but a good portion 
of 12 years he spent in this dark dungeon. He befriended the butler in the prison and and he helped him understand his dream. But all he asked in return was just remember me when things are well with you. And the scripture says that when the butler got out, he forgot about Joseph. Joseph's agony continued on. I feel like he had to have been tried by his own innocence. I mean, look at him from the beginning. All he could be convicted of was a dream, just a desire and something that God had put in his heart, a word that God had given him. That's the only mark that was against Joseph. He couldn't help that he was born the youngest child of Jacob. He couldn't even help that his father loved him perhaps more than his other brothers, but Just his innocence had to have weighed heavy. I I don't deserve this. I've not done anything. I didn't know this was going to be part of my dream. Amen. All that he had been taught, I'm sure, had to have distressed him as he sat in the prison. Was there a God who judged righteously on the earth? You ever ever wonder that? Is God ever going to do right? It tried him, no doubt. I have no doubt in my mind that it tried him. I've sown seeds of holiness and I've gone, I've sown seeds of love only to reap loss and, and hatred and bitterness and suffering. He had to have felt something when he was there about his integrity. What it, did it not matter to God that he had held on and been true and And yet, the severity of his sorrows tried him, no doubt. I have no doubt. He was misunderstood. He was disappointed. He was wounded. He was hurt. He was forgotten. He was lied on. He was falsely accused. But again, the scripture says that that's not what tried him. What tried him was the word that God gave him. That's the conflict that's hard to, to, to weigh in the mind. How could God give me a dream and give me a hope of some future good and yet me have to live through the hell that I'm living through right now? How could God paint a better picture for me of my future? And yet my present surroundings speak of anything but blessed and anything but favored. How could it be that God would lay his hand upon me and ordain me for greater things? And yet look at where I am and look at what I have to fight with on a daily basis. And look at what I have to put up with day in and day out. How does that make sense? God's promises and God's process are always in conflict in our mind. Because we cannot fathom God taking evil and turning it for our good. We say it and we quote it. All things work together for the good. But we really don't believe that because when bad things happen to us, we don't quote that verse. Nine times out of ten, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, why, God, why? How could this be? 
This is not right. How could, how could you make such a promise and yet allow me to go through this process? But the process is what purified him. It's what made him who he was. It's what got out of him all of the junk and all of the, 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 the things that were unnecessary. You see, we all come to God with a lot of baggage. And God ordains great things for all of us. But there's a process that God's going to take every one of us through. And the process is not to hurt us, but it is to refine my life and to take away from me all of those things that are unnecessary and unessential for my future so that when I come out on the other end, I am truly ready for what God has called me to do. And I am of greater service and I have more value in that moment than I am in this present condition. And if I can just learn to live through the pain. Amen. The good thing about the night is that the morning cometh. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody's going to live through some night seasons. But don't get lost in that night. Don't build any monuments in the night. Just grab a hold of faith and hold on because there's a promise that the morning is also coming. Watchman, what of the night? Amen. Amen. I'm glad that morning comes. Amen. It does come. It may linger sometimes longer than we want it to, but it comes. So the things that tried him was not his hate, the hatred. It wasn't the bitterness. It wasn't the misunderstanding. It wasn't the pain that he suffered in the prison, the indignation, the false accusations. Those were not the things that tried him. That's what's so strange for me to understand is because in my thinking, those are enough to put anybody under. But what tried him was that word that God had given him as just a young boy. You're destined for great things. I have my hand on you, not just for your good, but for the good of your family and the good of this nation and the good of the world. And I'm going to orchestrate things and I'm going to bring about certain things to put you in the place where you can be used. And so that your family can be preserved from the famine that is in the whole earth. And God ordered all of that. His divine word ordered that. What he didn't share with Joseph was the process through which he would have to pass in order to receive that promise. And I've come to tell somebody here this morning that you don't need to get stuck in the process that God has you in right now. That whatever's going on in your life, whatever you can understand, I'm asking you for whatever sake you can hear this morning, do not let go of your dream and do not let go of that hope that God has put in your heart because this is all part of the process and if you will hold on to your promise God will make the process work for your good amen man the word of the Lord tried him the word 
that had inspired him to believe for great things was the very thing that provoked him in the prison. If I am blessed, then what's all this about? (laughs) If I am favored, then what am I doing with these shackles around my feet and this collar around my neck? If I am blessed, why isn't my bank account overflowing? <laughs> why, why, why aren't the doors opening for me? God's got a process that he's working. And the process is to help work something in your life that nothing else could produce. It's a process of humbling, of purifying. That's what the word tried really means. It means to, uh, to, to, uh, heat up the fire so that the metal is melted and all of the impurities are taken out. It's, it's called smelting. That's, that's the literal word in the Hebrew. He smelted him with the word. He took the word, the very promise that he had given him, and he used that promise to purify and to extract from Joseph every thread that was unneeded in the future of his life and every part of him that was unnecessary for where God was taking him. And he used all of those passages that he went through from Potiphar's house to the prison and back to the place of freedom and eventually to the prime minister's role. He did all of that. To bring about a man who could stand before his brethren and say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Hallelujah. He was tried by the word. You see, it's the process of getting us to where God wants us to go that's always the rub in life. Amen. Nobody likes the process. We like the product. We like the outcome. We like to read about the God that's a covenant keeper. And we like to read about all of the promises. We love this in Ephesians 4 and 7. It says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We rejoice over that. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And we rejoice at the victory that God has brought into our life. But you've got to keep reading. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first. Into the lower parts of the earth. You're never going to get to the place that God has destined for you without learning what it means to go down. God's going to find a way to humble you. He's going to find a way to strip out of you everything that he doesn't need. All that stuff that you depend on. It took God a long time to chase Jacob down. God had laid his hand upon Jacob as just a child. And he was anointed for greatness. And he had the blessings of God on him. But he also had another problem. He had a personality that was as warped as a 
as a hind leg of a dog, my dad would say. It was as crooked as a snake. And if you follow the life of Jacob, you follow him conniving and cheating and deceiving and doing here and there by slip or sight or whatever to get what he wants. And God has to chase him down all these corridors until finally he backs him up against the wall in a place called Jabbok. And Jacob realized this is my day. And the Bible said that an angel of the Lord wrestled with him. Can you imagine what it must have felt like? He had sent his family across the brook and there he is all alone. And all of a sudden in the darkness of that night, a hand is laid on you. Don't tell me you wouldn't have come out of your skin. Don't tell me you wouldn't have started fighting. You talk about a cat fight. And that's exactly what Jacob did. He was going to do it again. But God said, this time I have you, Jacob. I'm not going to let go of you until I get out of you that part that's ruining your life. That conniving, cheating, lying, deceitful, crooked spirit. And the scripture says he wrestled with him till the break of day. And the angel said, let me go. And Jacob said, oh, no, not this time. I will not let you go until you touch me. And he did. He did. He touched him. He touched him so deeply and so severely that he caused his thigh to shrivel up. And he hobbled the rest of his life. But he hobbled out of that encounter, not as Jacob, but as Israel, a prince with God. And I'm here to tell you this morning that whatever process that God is letting you go through right now, you need to quit worrying about it and fighting and bucking and being mad about it. Just understand that if God gave you a word, that word is never going to fail. He has never had one word that's ever failed. Not one word will ever fall to the ground that God gives you. And you can hold on to that word and that word will endure. And if you will endure, that word will come to pass in your life no matter how long it takes for God to get you there. Amen. The Bible said the word of the Lord tried him. <laughs> Amen. The word of the Lord that should have strengthened him. I, I mean, when I think of the word of the Lord, I'm thinking the word strengthens you. The word encourages you. The word helps you. But not, not this time. That word provoked him. That word pricked him. That word prodded him. Amen. It smelted him. It purified him. Amen. It found out the kind of stuff he was made of. It found out whether he had the staying power of faith. That word which was revealed in Joseph's dream was the ground on which his own words were tested. Amen. Amen. Now, my question this morning to you is how, how does the word try us? 
How does the word trice? And I'm going to be very short. First of all, I believe the very promise itself, the very word itself tries us. Because for some of us, we can't believe that God would really want to use us like that. We, we don't deserve this. We don't feel like we merit this. We don't feel like we have any right to this. I remember as a 12-year-old boy stepping outside of the covered camp in Lufkin, Texas at the end Friday night of a youth camp. We'd had such a powerful, powerful week. But I have to admit to you, I, I really hadn't been seeking the Lord that week. I had been seeking the girls that week. Believe it or not, I was trying to find me a girlfriend, this little shy kid from Wichita Falls. And I thought I found one. But on that last night, I'll never forget, it was a deep move of the Holy Ghost, and I did feel the convicting power of God, and I went down to the altar, and God began to deal with me, and I walked outside by myself, and just a skinny 12-year-old kid, I looked up into the clearest, most beautiful night, stars were so bright, and the Lord spoke to me and said, that's, that's the souls that I want you to reach. Me? Me? A 12-year-old, shy, backward, bashful kid? No, God, you, you must have the wrong address. You must, you must have mistaken me for somebody else in that altar tonight. That night, God laid his hand on my life. And I will have to admit to you that for a long, long time, I ran, I, I ran, I ran, I ran. I, I tried to ignore it. I went for one solid year refusing to acknowledge that God had spoken to me that night. Until I got to a point where I was so desperate, I could not feel God. I could not, I couldn't, I couldn't cry, I couldn't weep. I couldn't be moved. I couldn't be touched. And I remember laying on the altar late one night. And as just a 13-year-old kid, I said, God, if you really meant that, then you're going to have to help me because I'm not capable of doing what you're calling me to do. I'm telling you this morning that God's given some of you a word a long time ago about some things in your life and about your family that time has tested you and that very word and promise at times has mocked you. When you look around and you see your children and the way they're living or you see your life and the chaos that's going on or you see yourself in your own failures and you think, how in the world could God use something like this? You hear me. Don't ever forget that when God gives a word, he gives it for a purpose. 
And there are some of you that are in this building today on this Thanksgiving, post-Thanksgiving Sunday, that God has deposited his promise in you about certain things that have not come to pass. And it's been a long, long time. You hear me today. Don't you dare let go of that dream. Just because the process has been hard and it's been longer than you anticipated, don't you let go of it. Because God will never go back on his word. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God doesn't make a mistake when he gives a word. He doesn't come to you and inspire you to believe him for something, only to tantalize you and tempt you and then pull it away and refuse to give it to you. If God ever gave you a promise, he has signed his name at the bottom of that promise. And he said, I am a covenant-keeping God to every generation. Amen. He was tried by the word itself. Unqualified. Unskilled. I don't know enough. I'm not, I'm not qualified. I'm not educated enough to speak. And yet, God saw something down the road that none of us could see. That if we could somehow stay submitted to him and let him continue to work his will in our life, he would bring us to that place of fulfillment. The word of the Lord is trying some of you right now. It's trying some of you. It is taunting you. Your mind cannot grasp the contradiction between the promise and the problem that you're living through right now. It cannot grasp the purpose of God and the pain that I'm living through right now. But you hear me? With God, there is no pain wasted. And with God, there is no problem that cannot be solved. Amen. And at the appointed time, the scripture says he was there and he was tried with that word until there is an appointed time. There is a marked day. God's already got it on his calendar. It may not be on yours, but it's on God's calendar. And he said, that's the day. And it will come to pass. I believe he was tried By the delay, the long delay of God's promises. I know in my own life, nothing is any more difficult to live with than unfulfilled dreams. I've thought about our church building this week, and I started to get those plans back out, and let's start praying over them again. I thought, Lord, why? Why is it so hard for us to get where we're going? And it's because God needs to get us in the place so that when we get there, we can be productive. And when we get there, we can, we can produce. And when we get there, we can facilitate what God wants to do in that moment. And so God's timing, 
does not always work out with mine, but that delay, it just, I, I know it had to. I mean, one year passes and two year passes. And I mean, some of us, if we don't hear from God in five minutes, we quit praying. If we don't feel God in five minutes, we quit praying. But he's in, he's gone for 12 years and the majority of those 12 years he was in prison. Week after week after week and month after month. And do you know what? There is nowhere recorded in the entirety of scripture that God ever spoke to Joseph while he was in prison. He may have, but there was nowhere that, that I can find. Maybe if you find it, come and help me. But I've looked. I haven't found where a word came to Joseph during that time. He had to live on what he knew until he could get to where God was trying to take him. Sometimes you have to live with what you know until you get what you want. And some of us are letting go of what we know because we're not getting what we want. We're throwing it away and say, well, it must not matter. I'm telling you, it does matter. You better hang on to every promise. You better hang on to every word that God has given you. You better not let one thing slip from your grasp because if God gave it, he will fulfill it. Amen. And I'm closing. I believe he was tried, obviously, by the lack of God's word, but he was tried by how how he reacted to that word. Are you going to hold on to it? Are you going to let it go? Would he keep believing? Or would he let the doubt and the iron around his neck, it's working its way down into his soul. Would he let it get into his spirit? Not allowing what happened to him and around him to take away from him what God had given to him. Being tone deaf to the voices around us that question our calling and question our dream, and question uh, and say, what will become of your dream? Maybe that's a question we need to ask ourselves. What's going to become of our dream? Are we just going to let go of it? Are we going to give up on it? Are we going to quit believing God for it? Are we going to say it's too hard? Or will we as Joseph find a way to hold on? Amen. He held on. He held on until the very end. He would not let go of what God had given to him. And he would not let those voices around him speak into his life. I'm closing. Let's stand together. I want to make one more statement. And I'm going to let you respond to the presence of the Lord that's in this place. But you hear me today. A destiny designed by God can never 
be changed by man. By somebody else. By circumstances. If God ordained it. If God ordered it. It will come to pass. Amen. Daniel 10 and 1 said, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true. Everybody say it was true. But the time appointed was long. Amen. (laughs) It was true. But the time appointed was long. Some of us are living in that long space. Some of us have wondered whether God even filled us with the Holy Ghost. Some of us have questioned whether or not God even loves us. Some of us have doubted whether God cares. Habakkuk said, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Make it plain upon tables that he may run that read it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak. And not lie. Though it tarry. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will surely come. It will surely come. It will not tarry. No night lasts forever. No trial lasts forever. God has set a limit. I don't know where that is, but I know this. I know until that time comes, you got to hold on to every promise. You've got to hold on to every word that God has given you and hold on to it when nothing else Around you agrees with it and nothing else around you is in harmony. You hold on to that promise because God keeps his word. How many of you have a promise that God's given you? You feel like God has given you a promise. Many of your promises are still yet to be fulfilled. That doesn't mean they're not going to happen. It just means that God's taking us through a process. I don't understand all of it. I wish I did. I wish I knew more about how God operates. I'm trying to learn more. But this much I have learned. That if God gives you a promise, you can trust His process to bring it to pass. That if God puts a word in you, if He calls you to do something, There's some of you sitting on these pews today that God laid his hand on you in time past 
and used you in certain ways and you've walked away from that. And you've gotten away from that. And you feel like that will never come again. That will never be again. And there may be some things that that may be true of. But I'm here to tell you that for what I know, God's never through with us until He calls us home. If you're still living, check. Would you do that right now? Are you still breathing? If you're still breathing, then God still has a purpose for your life. If not, He would have already taken you out of the way. So we live through the process and the pain and the hatred and the misunderstandings and whatever effect that may have upon you, don't ever let go of that promise. Would you just reach out to the Lord right now, feel His presence? Hallelujah. Jesus, you're in this place right now. You're near us right now. I think you're laying your hand on somebody right now. You're stirring up that gift that was given to them. We love to ascend, Lord, but help us understand that part of the process of ascending is also descending. There's a going down before there's a going up. Just to know. There's a prison sometime before there's a throne. The Lord. Oh God. Help us today to hold on to every promise. To not let go of any word that you have given. And how I've proved Or Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus.